Oh, turn it up. Speaking of, did you get your Icon Pass yet, Sean? I'm on IconPass.com dropping in right now. Wow, from just two fifty nine adult. Okay, done. In a May 2022 article in the Atlantic titled After Babel, author Jonathan Haidt details how since 2011, we have been living in a modern post-Babel era. If you're unfamiliar with the original story of Babel and its namesake tower, here's what you need to know. First, open your Bible, print or smartphone, to Genesis chapter 11. The 11th chapter of the book of Genesis records the Tower of Babel. This happens after God instructed Noah and his descendants, after the flood waters had dried up. You remember that story, right? God told Noah and his descendants to be fertile, multiply, and fill the earth. Be fertile and multiply. Instead of inhabiting all the earth, the descendants of Noah settled in the area that we know today to be Baghdad. Instead of inhabiting all the earth and speaking many languages, the descendants of Noah instead shared a common language. They then attempted to build a tower that they might ascend up to God. Instead of scattering and sharing the covenant established by God with Noah, Babel took shape with its residents and attempted to reach up to God, reaching up, not out. Here's what it says in Genesis 11. All people on the earth had one language in the same words. When they traveled east, they found a valley and a land and they settled there. They said, come, let us make some bricks and bake them hard. They used the bricks for stone and asphalt for mortar. They said, come, let's build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. And let's make a name for ourselves so that we won't be dispersed over all the earth. Haddett argues in his article that the story of Babel is not about tribalism. Instead, he writes, Babel is a story about the fragmentation of everything. Anyone with a Facebook or Twitter account will affirm this hypothesis. Social media platforms morphed from a place where we share updates about our lives and pictures of grandkids or cats to a space where users are more adept at performing and managing their social brand than they are at connecting with family, old friends, or even strangers. While there may be 3 billion Facebook users worldwide, we often speak and listen only to a handful of languages or ideologies. Haydick continues, contends that the lead up to the 2016 election cycle That was the catalyst that cemented our fragmentation, entrenching us into our ideological groups that are unable to listen to one another or acknowledge our shared history, our shared values. It's not that we are choosing not to listen to one another. Instead, it's that we are no longer able to do so, just as the Lord came down in Genesis 11 to confuse the language of the citizens of Babel. Again, here's what it says in Genesis The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, look, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will be impossible. Come, let us go down and confuse their language 
so that they will not understand one another's speech. What had the people of Babel planned to do? To make a name for themselves, so that they would not be dispersed over all the earth. The past month of headlines, just the past 30 days, even the past three weeks, proves, hate its point, that we no longer understand one another's speech. Between the the debates over abortion and gun violence in, in the United States, amid conversations about what it means to be pro-life, we are talking past one another at best. We have moved beyond debate into our siloed echo chambers. And this has set the stage, Hayden argues, for the modern post-Babel scattering that we are experiencing today. A place where, quote, nothing really means anything anymore, or at least in a way that is durable and on which people widely agree. You're probably wondering what this has to do with our scripture reading. No, we did not read the wrong passage today. Today is Pentecost, and we correctly read the book of Acts account of Pentecost. Let's begin to connect the dots and see where we end up. St. Luke writes, when Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. They were all gathered in Jerusalem for a festival where Israel remembers the gifts of the law to their ancestors. A moment on Mount Sinai where, like Pentecost, wind rushed. Fire was present in a burning bush that was engulfed in flames but not consumed by the fire. Jews from every nation, the nations that are extremely difficult to pronounce, were in Jerusalem. This is a reminder that after Babel, God had scattered the people. While they held the law of God in common, they spoke their own languages, they had their own customs, they even had their own interpretations of the law. They lived fragmented lives because of being sent in every direction. All these people, representing all the known world, heard the followers of Jesus speaking of the mighty works of God in their own languages. At Pentecost, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the advocate the disciples had been waiting for, in the proclamation of the gospel, God reversed the scattering of Babel and continues the work of defragmenting the compartmentalized lives that we all live. Through Jesus Christ, the apostle Paul writes, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. All the nations represented at Pentecost are one because of the mighty works of God, because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Just as God reached down in Genesis, at Pentecost, God continues the work of reaching down to humanity. Reaching down, reaching to us is a hallmark of Christ's ministry. John Hayden asks, what would it be like to live in Babel after its destruction? Confusion and despair in the acknowledgement and loss of what could have been. But in the church, we hold on to the promise that God is at work amid confusion, loss, and despair. We do not have to search or reach up to the heavens hoping that we might find the Messiah because God is continually reaching down to us. 
Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been freed from being our own saviors. Being their own savior is one of the things that got the citizens of ancient Babel into trouble. God takes the most fragmented part of our modern post-Babel lives and makes them whole. This is part of God making all creation whole. And we bear witness to this when we gather around Christ's table. This is our witness in the church through our worship, our mission, and our teaching. The unification of the church is the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing people who speak different languages or only listen to siloed voices together to speak the one language of the Holy Spirit, the one language of God. And friends, that language is grace. You probably think this does not leave much for us to do. And you are absolutely right. We are free from having to do anything to earn God's grace, earning God's favor, God's love, because friends, that is the good news of the gospel. But if we learn anything from Babel and our modern post-Babel era, it is that doing too much is often the way we opt to ignore the work of God, the work God has already done and is continuing to do. But if you're going to insist, if you insist that we need something to do, let's look to the advice of Dr. Jack Levinson, professor of Old Testament interpretation and biblical Hebrew at Perkins School of Theology. And look to the first disciples, who simply stayed put and waited after the ascension. You see, after the ascension of Jesus, the the disciples went back to Jerusalem, where they waited. Jesus had only told his disciples to wait. Still, the disciples had spent enough time with Jesus to know that staying, and most importantly, waiting, meant praying. If you need something to do, pray. Pray. The Pentecost outburst was a proclamation of God's deeds, God's mighty works, meaning what God had done in Jesus Christ and what God had done throughout the history of Israel. So if you need something else to do, study those deeds. Do not be caught by surprise. The first disciples waited, prayed, studied, and expected. At Pentecost, God reached down and began the work of forming the church. The church is the body of Christ, the vessel through which God has promised to work to bring the kingdom of God to full reality. And while it may seem that the church is more fractured than ever, more scattered from one another than ever, we know, we know that it is the work of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit that God will continue to reach to humanity despite our desire to turn away from God and one another. I offer it to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.